words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Yes, Lord, this morning we come to say that we'll wait on you, O God. We'll wait on you morning, noon, and night. We'll wait upon the fulfillment of your promise. We'll wait upon your word. Lord, as we share these words this morning, Lord, I ask, O God, that I'll be an oracle of the Holy Spirit, O God. I ask that there'll be hearts that are receptive to this word. I ask that every man, every woman who has lost hope, Lord, that at the end of this service, there'll be hope renewed again, O God. Lord, I ask that you will teach us to trust in the process, O God, as you prepare us for the journey ahead and for the purpose that you've called us to in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, good morning, everyone. Um, just let me just share like a minute or two before. Please, can someone time me so I don't go over my time? These days I tend to do that. Okay. Yesterday was really electric. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I mean, we've done quite a few outreaches, but there was something very different about the one of yesterday. Um, I think, first of all, it was just the generosity of the people. So we had so much, we had so much money with very little call. I don't think there was a post more than once, once or twice, but there was so much resources just, just from very little. So it showed that the hearts of people were tender towards the things of God. I mean, we had so much food that at some point I was wondering if we'd, we'd be able to give everything out. And some of the women there, you know, not some, actually most of the women there were actually commercial sex workers. And they, re- they described it as hustle. Now, just not to be, um, so that I didn't misunderstand them, I said to them, what does hustle mean? And they said to me, ah, I shall now. I'm like, okay, you know. And um, I remember one of them said to me that um, when I was talking to them, she just said, look, she said, look, it's only God that can deliver us from this. Please just pray. Like, all this one you're saying, it's not going to fly. She's like, it's only God. So she even, she, she even understood, she understood the, what's the word? The depth of the, the, the depravity and the, and the level that they had sunk to. And then one of them said that, um, her husband um, lives in Ojo with her children. And so she tells him she has a job on the island and she goes home once a week. And once a month, sorry. So I was like, does your husband know what you do? And she said, no. And my heart just, my heart just broke. And I said, so why? So I asked her, how much do you make, you know, um, per night? And she was like, well, I kind of just started. I said, okay, that's fine. She was almost saying it as though whatever I tell you, might not look big because I just started. I said, don't worry, that's not, just tell me how much you make. And she said to me, um, she said to me, five to six thousand per night. So I said, and how many people do you have to sleep with to make that? She said, four to five. So the equivalent of one thousand naira per person. And I was just, I was so heartbroken. I, I, I was happy at the work that we were doing, but I was also heartbroken because I was like, how did we get to that stage where we debase human life so much? This couldn't have been in the original plan of God. It, it couldn't have been. And I was saying to Tosin that it could have been any of us. It was just by God's mercy that we were not born into a family where we were more or less thrown away. We were born into a family where anyhow, bad as it be, the love of your parents covers everything. You know, we've had friends and, and relationships that have kept us on the straight and narrow. And I just, I just sat there so I, I felt... Um, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, joy is not what I felt living there because I felt like what we had done was a drop in the ocean. You know, I felt like it was, a, I mean, how do you go to a colony and almost every woman there is a prostitute. It was just one woman who said she sells to them. She sells to the prostitutes. 
and these are young women young young girls you know with children littered everywhere some had to some were pregnant again the and i was looking at the children and i was like what hopelessness because if nothing is done the cycle will just repeat itself over and over and over again and that's why i kept saying that look when we go out when we say we do charity and we're going out to do outreach outreach it must never be a tick in the things i do i have a good job i go to church i support some charity organization so that when we write our profile it looks together we need to stop it we need to really have a heart for people because when judgment day comes i keep telling people judgment will start from the church judgment will start from the church so whatever we've done is a drop in the ocean but i was comforted when god said to me that you know poor waters i mean i'm sorry poor plants Apollo waters and God brings the increase and so that was my comfort you know I just said there were these two little girls who kept saying to us that their mom was away and their dad was busy in the store and so they wanted to take a food bag for, for them for him and and Tosin and I kept you know anyway long story short we ended up not giving those particular two girls bags and now their faces are stuck in my, me my memory their faces are stuck in my memory and so I'm even looking for how I need to go back and go and make amends to them because they kept saying their mom is not around my dad and they spoke they spoke good English they could have been any of the kids that just performed here I kept looking at them and I was like where did you guys where do you guys live like they said we live here in this ghetto I said are you sure they said yes I, I didn't I didn't believe them they, they had nicely plated hair they, they, they looked fairly well dressed and they looked ajebotaish for lack of a better word to describe describe it and I said, are you sure? They said yes. Then they said, oh, that they used to live in Ibadan. And they just moved to Lagos. And I thought they just moved to Lagos and moved to the ghetto. They actually live here. And my heart broke. But I'm just, like I said, I'm encouraged that we've started something. There's a lot of work we still need to do. And I don't know the how. And, and I think that's a good segue for me to talk about, you know, the, the time lag. Because sometimes God gives us the prophetic word. Okay. God gives us a prophetic word for our life at any age. Some people find it very early. Some people find it in their midlife. Some people find it much later in life. And one of the biggest frustrations and burdens for me, I don't know about anybody else, is when there's a clarity of what I'm supposed to do. Right? The end, the end but I don't know the how. It drives me insane. Like I can be awake for, like at night, tossing and turning. You know, I told my husband I sort of have insomnia, but what he doesn't understand is because I just, I'm trying to figure these things out by myself. And so this year, I remember I'd gone back to all the, you know, I was at a point where I was just so, um, what's the word, like, um, I was so um, despondent at the things that I felt like God had asked me to do. The prophecies that I've been given, given over my life and that even I knew for a fact were God's instructions for me. And... Um, and I started to read all the prophecies again. And I started to break them down step by step because I'm very process driven. I, I held each line and I'll write something and I'll list all the things in my life that look like or appear like is what the prophecy was alluding to. And then one of the days God said to me, you're going about it the wrong way. He said, you're not going to figure this thing out on your own. You're going to end up frustrating yourself. Literally, that was what I heard. And I thought, okay, so I'm supposed to just do what? Fold my hands and do nothing. Then I'll look back 20 years and I'll say, what have I done with my life? And I'll start doing things in my 60s that I should have done in my 20s. And then he said to me that there's a journey between a promise and its fulfillment. There's a, there's a journey 
between a revelation and the manifestation. There is a, there's a time between one event and the next one. There's a time between a desire and the attained goal. And that's the time lag. What you need to be asking is what do you do in that time lag? Because you can't sit idle. So contrary to what you're thinking that I'll fold your, you fold your hands and no, do nothing. You have something to do in that process. But there is something you need to do and that time will happen. Because if you run ahead of God, error is waiting for you on the other side. And so, can you, um, can you skip the slide? And so, go skip. And so, I'm going to talk about David. Let me just stay here so that I can... can I, get my water? I want to talk about David. David is somebody I actually really like. I really like David. I feel like David is a perfect representation of, the, of, of man, as, as it were. Philandering, you know, just anyhow. So, his troubles, David's troubles started in 1 Samuel. Um, 1 Samuel, can you give us a scripture? I think it's 1 Samuel 16. So, the scripture accounts, First uh, Samuel 16, it said that Saul had fallen out of favor with God. And so, God said, the Spirit of God had left Saul. And so, he says to Samuel, I'm going to send you to go and anoint the new king of Israel. And so, this was David, a young man, going about his duties like every young man at his age. And he said, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a high with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you will do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, went to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? Because obviously Samuel was a prophet of the Lord and they knew that his coming carried something. He said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came, he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So, um, what's his name? Je Jesse had basically called out all his boys. Tall, young men, handsome, muzzles everywhere, swag, dapper. Thinking, ah, surely now, if kingship has come to my home, it's got to be one of my boys. And person after son, after son, after son. God continued rejecting him. I'll come back to why that is important in the process. Continue rejecting them until David came. So skip to the point when David is then anointed. So he went through all the sons and then he said, go and bring the one. So David came to Saul and stood before him. No, before that, when I want David's anointing. So therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them by his, son, by, sent by his son David to Saul. No. When he was anointed, go back. Just go back. After he rejected the sons. Okay. I want to go to the anointing. Are all the young men here? 
Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. I can imagine that Jesse was saying, This small boy, for what now? Even if he was the one that's meant to be king, he's after his brothers. When his brothers have ruled and they can pass it down to him, after all, succession planning, Abby and he must be prepared okay no problem carry on and he said he brought him in he was ruddy with bright eyes good looking and the lord said arise anoint him for this is the one so just stop there for now so go back go to when david now starts serving saul so god then picks you and says to you you are the least qualified you don't have what it takes you don't have the skills you're not even that tall you don't even speak well or you even have all of these things and says you will do xyz i will make you a father of many nations i will give you a business that is worth millions and millions of dollars you will be responsible for salvation in your family you're going to bring restoration to your community you'll be a leader that will bring nigeria out of the depths of darkness and god gives you all of these prophetic instructions for different areas of your life you don't appear like what the world expects and then you go and start your ministry serving a king. Serving. You start serving. So go back to the slides. And so David, I said that that was the start of David's journey, time lag. Because prior to then, I mean up till that time, I believe that all David thought he was was a shepherd boy in the wilderness, taking care of the shepherd and doing his brothers and his dad's bidding. I can imagine that when he came back from his um, shepherding every day, those his big brothers will still send him on errands. And then this young man is told that you've been anointed for kingship. Many of us, David had, but though, you know, God is good. God is interesting. He always finds something in you. Because even though on the outside, David was not the natural choice. But the Bible goes on to tell us many things about David. He said he was skillful in playing. He was a man of valor. He was a man of war. He was prudent in speech. And he was handsome. And the Lord was with him, most importantly. And so, when you have been given a prophetic word, or when you, God has given you instructions for your life, and you are looking at yourself and looking down on yourself and wondering, why me? The Lord always sees something. Because he has a plan ahead that you cannot see. Your eyes, your, your natural eyes cannot see. And so, and how many of us will then be anointed as David were, were? We will come in the next day. We will start wearing big suits. We will change our hair. We will change our swag. We will come and expect to be given the front seat in any congregation. And if you don't get the front seat, we'll be very offended. And we will start saying, do you know who I am? I've been anointed as the king of Israel. Do you know who I am? And you will feel justified in what you're doing because according to you, you're only responding to your anointing, correct? If someone said to me now, you are the president of Nigeria, I promise you my swag would be different. And I knew for a fact that it was going to, be ha to happen because we are just but canal. Canal. We see, we see material. We see the things that are before us. We do not see the heart of God and the journey. If somebody had told David that he would go on a long journey, David would be like, how now? Sure, I was just there by myself in the field and they called me and anointed me for kingship. What kind of long journey? And I've quickly heard that God is no longer happy with this soul. So the time is now. Time, the appointed time of the Lord has come now. Everybody shout, hallelujah. And that will be justified. And so, 
But David became a king in exile. Many of us are in exile. We have a journey, a destiny. Not a journey, the journey is a process. We have a destination, but many of us are in exile. We're not at the place of the fulfillment of God's word. And it's important I say that because as the year comes to an end, one of the things the enemy does is that he sends despondence into the hearts of people. He sends um, sadness and um, an overwhelming sense of um, hopelessness and failure. I don't know if anybody has ever experienced it. I battled it for many years. When it comes towards the end of the year, Christmas is supposed to be a joyous season. I like the carols, but my heart will be so broken. I will look on my life and say, what have I done this year? What have I done? Have I done one step closer to all the things God asked me to do? And if it was a year, I wrote things down. I'll look at it and I'm so far away from all of the things. And I'll just become depressed, just depressed. Until I realized that that was the enemy's plan. And then God told me that I don't work with your own time. I don't work with your own time. I will do what I do, what I will do when I say I will do it, as long as I said I will do it. As long as I said I will do it. Very important because sometimes we by ourselves have ascribed an assignment to God that He didn't tell us about. And then when our hearts are broken and we have unanswered prayers, we wonder why. And so David was a king in exile. You know, um, but one thing about God is um, before we were born, he knew us and he called us as a prophet to the nation. And so before David was conceived, God knew that this was going to happen. And he knew that he needed a king that he could trust because during David's reign was when Israel become, became a force to be reckoned with. Like the fear of Israel sent trepidation into the hearts of people because they needed to know that there was a God and that he was a Lord of these people. Go to the next slide. And so... This man called David, like I said, his troubles then started when Saul now heard about him. So people went around, maybe people who had even heard about his anointing and who had heard. So all of a sudden, he came to the radar of everyone, just like we do when suddenly prophetic words are spoken about us or we're starting to come into a new level of our lives. We come on the radar of people, they start watching us extra and they go to Saul and they say to him, there's this guy, David, the guy is this, the guy is that, da, 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 da. and Saul said, bring him to my palace and let him play for me and it was recounted that every time that the spirit of the lord would depart from saul he will ask david to play and david would play dun -dun -dun, play like david play thank you and he will play and he will play and he will play and he will play and the spirit of you know saul will but the mistake that Saul made was that Saul thought that it was in the skillfulness of the instruments. It wasn't. The Spirit of God had left him and had transferred to David. And so it was the anointing on David that calmed his spirit and not David's skills. Have you heard men that are very eloquent, but when there's no God in it, you walk away from them and nothing your heart feels empty. Not, they've just excited you. Nothing moves. Nothing changes. See, there's a difference between your gifting and your anointing. That's a completely different sermon. But the Spirit of the Lord had left him and was on David. So every time David played, the Spirit of the Lord came back into that room. And then, the women put David in even more trouble. We're still talking about the journey of David. 
to from his anointing to his kingship they went to war they came back and the women are dancing david has saul has killed ten thousand and david has killed hundreds of thousands singing it all over the city square what manner of unemotional intelligence is that you have a king like really he's not been removed abby if it was in the french empire off with their heads yes there was a king why were they doing that they were singing and they were dancing i don't even watch any of those uh, bible stories those men were very um also, they're very dramatic with their big skirts and their haps and they'll be dancing like this and they'll be dancing livid i would be too you would be too if you were Saul. you would be and that was the start of Saul's david's problems so this is a man who maybe would have said at the time he came into the palace you say okay at least now i'm no longer in the in the wilderness at least now i'm in the palace now i'm the um, Saul's people um, armor bearer i'm you know hanging out with the you know ministers and all those kind of people i'm playing for the the king you know and then all of a sudden trouble started and david that's how david started running running all over the place i mean obviously please go and read the whole of that whole place read david's journey running from one place to the other he was used because paul was using him when his evil spirit would come upon him come here come and play he he served he was persecuted he was chased he must have been broke at one point they ended up in the in the cave of adulam right how many men came and joined him what could they possibly have had in that cave probably cut off from all the resources because everywhere Saul's army were waiting for him to kill him at a point Saul was even going to kill his own son Jonathan because he helped David escape this is a man who that was anointed for kingship and then us when they tell us that XYZ will happen at the first sign of trouble we already start doubting the word that God has given us we start doubting the word has given us or we expect that it needs to happen immediately instantly but in that process God was building strength God was building character. God was building resilience. God was teaching him. God was preparing him. God was getting him ready for the journey. Go to the next slide. And then, we live in a generation. T.D. Jake spoke about, um, he said um, that, you know, one of his sermons, he was saying that back in the days when you didn't have a lot of money, obviously in the black, com- in the black communities, they didn't have a lot of money. Um, and, and credit was not really a thing at the time. That some um, credit cards, even if they, it was, it wasn't. It was white privilege. They didn't have access to it because they probably didn't have any credit credit rating. And so they would go to an electronic store, and if they see something they liked, they would say, "I like this," and they would say, "I'll lay it away for you." And then so basically, instrumental payments. And then they would come and then drop a little money every day, and they'll record for you. Drop a little money every day, and record for you until you take it away. Now, fast forward to this generation. Everybody has access to credit card. Well, at least outside the country. In Nigeria, we're still very, bring your cash and collect your goods. I don't think there are a lot of credit cards in Nigeria. I don't think so. So, they are growing, yeah, but it's not, it's not mainstream yet. Now, in the credit card generation, right, you come in, you see something you like, way above your income, way above your capacity, cap- everything, all your resources, all your savings, together including your father's inheritance put together but you want it i have to have it right now that's why i have a credit card and you even justify it and say it's going to help my credit rating for the future and you bring out your card and you you swipe it and they tell you thank you very much you carry your goods and you go and then you default and they come and take it back from you that's how it is with god if you go one step faster than you're supposed to that thing will be taken away from you 
it will be taken away from you. I spoke to a young man who wanted to um, promote somebody in his organization. She had worked with him for barely a year. And, um, and I said to him, you're going to set her up for failure. He wanted to promote her to a senior management position. I said, you set her up for failure. I said, because she's not ready. There's a journey. There's a process to what God has called us to. There's, there's a journey that we need to go through. Sometimes for some people, it will take months. For others, it will take years. And so let's go back to some of the people that have had to wait on God for a long time for the things that he has called him. And say, but you know, one thing about God is that he says that, sorry, before, before I talk about the people, he says that um, there's no time with God. There's no, you can't tell God the how and the when. He does not operate in the timing that we operate in. He says that a day to, you know, a thousand days to you is like a day in God. And so when you say, oh Lord, I've been on this mountain, how long is it going to be? God is saying, it's kind of like 10 minutes, according to my clock. Like, I don't understand, why are you complaining? It's kind of like 10 minutes. Can you stop rushing me and judging time in the way? I'm not going to operate that the way you do. And so he constantly shows us examples of how he goes out, out, outside of himself to show us that we will not tell him the how. Because many times we've tried to work out this process by ourselves like I do, like I try to do. I'm trying to work it out and arrange and position and strategize and all of those things that is expected when you hear a prophetic word or when you know that an assignment that you're being called, called to do. But there's a, a place of preparation. I remember when I, when I became born again, I was an usher. I used to usher for five services in my church in, at the time. So you usher five services, you were in four teams. So the week you're on duty is five services from the first service till 9 p.m. Um, when the final service closes, before you go home. They'll provide lunch for you, but you're not leaving there. And then, from there, one step, and then I'll be hearing prophetic words about, oh, you have a message. You're going to speak to people. Your lives will be transformed because of you. You're going to, and I'm saying, what are you talking about? Me that cannot even walk past three people seated. Like, really, I don't understand what you're talking about. Other people, just leave me all these things. Me, I just want to serve God. But God was preparing me quietly. And then I remember even going to a bigger church and I was in a protocol team. I was working, you know, as protocol to the pastors. And what people would see on the outside was me dressed up and come out, you know, and I'll come outside with the pastors or whoever. But inside, I was doing dishes. Protocol was not this glamorous thing that people saw on the outside. Some girl or men dressed, carrying a, the the pastor's Bible and then sitting behind them. We were doing dishes at the back room because if there was breakfast to be served or there was lunch to be served and the dishes were not enough or you ended up with more people, you would do the dishes, you would dish the food, you would serve. And let me, for you to understand this, it was a big deal for me because me, I don't like housework. I declared it from day one to my husband. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't like housework. Like, I don't like it. Because I grew up in a home where you said, my mom would just, every stray cat coming, food, I, I just got out of it. So for me to go there and be doing that, it was service for me. I was truly, truly serving. But it was a place of preparation. And so, the how. God says that, look, I will use any method and any how, and nobody can dare question me. And so we talk about the Cyrus anointing, but we only talk about it in, in relation to wealth. So who knows the story of Cyrus? So basically, Cyrus was a pagan king that God said in, um, he started this journey with Cyrus in, um, I think he started it in um, Isaiah first, but he says 
this is what the Lord says to his anointed says to his anointed to Cyrus Cyrus whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him to strip kings of their armor to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut I will go before you I will level the mountains I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron I will give you the treasures of darkness riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord the God of Israel who summoned you by name for the sake of Jacob my servant of Israel my my chosen I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor though you do not acknowledge me that's the king that entire place God said I will do all of these things I will give all of these things to a man called Cyrus though you do not acknowledge me and you know why God did that because God had a plan because when Cyrus then became king, Cyrus now put a decree and said, all the people that say that they are of the Lord, come, give them gold, give them silver, give them whatever they want. They should go and build a temple and go and save the Lord. Can you now see how there's a journey and a process with God? And so somebody would have looked on the sidelines and say, I don't understand this. This is injustice. How many times have we heard something happening for someone quicker than it has happened for you and we are saying but i serve you lord i serve you why am i having financial difficulties why can't i get a breakthrough why can't i get a mar married why is it taking me so long to have a child why 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 but you did it for that person i'm happy for how i'm happy for her but my heart is just doing me one kind because i don't understand why i'm having to go how many times have we felt that way Imagine the people that would have said God was mad. Cyrus, a pagan. I thought you said you loved your Israelites so much. But one thing about God is that it's never about a man. It's never about a man. He always has a bigger purpose in mind. So God was thinking ahead for his people, Israel. And so he chose this man, Cyrus, and blessed him beyond measure. Blessed him with strength. Blessed him with wealth. Blessed him with power, with authority. That the day came, Cyrus said, the people of God, come and be going. Scripture does not say that Cyrus became born again or gave his life. He had served what? His purpose. And so on judgment day, if we see Cyrus at the pearly gates, please don't beef. Please do not beef. Because he had done what God instructed him to do. He had done what God instructed him to do. And so, in that journey, can you go to the next slide? There are so many people that have been in that place. So many people. One of my favorites, you know, obviously, Abraham. We know the story of Abraham. Every time God saw oh, you will be a father of many nations. Come, my son. Come and look outside. As far as the stars and the moons, as long as you go, you descendants of many 40, 50, 60, 80, 90. God still called him out again and said, Oh, my Abraham, you'll be. <laughs> Abraham will be like, no, sir. sir, excuse me, sir. <laughs> it is 90 years. <laughs> Just in case, I know that your ways are not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts, but Lord, it is 90 years. <laughs> Have I not tried? How about? <laughs> And God is still telling. He said, "Look at my, look at my wife. She is old. I mean, <laughs> nothing is left. 
I go still did. And then even when he now had the son, God now said, come, bring him and kill him. <laughs> God. And we have little trials. And we have little delays and little disappointments. And our heart is broken. Why? Are these people not reaching as an encouragement for us on a day like that? And then Caleb. So take me to Caleb. I particularly like Caleb. I'll tell you why. So Caleb and Joshua were one of the 12 spies that went out. And they got a good report of the land. And God said, okay, because you got a good report, both of you will see the promised land. The rest of you, be done. You're not going to see that land. And so Caleb was like, remember, Caleb did not know how long it was going to take. Remember, we're talking about the, the time lag between a promise and its fulfillment. And so, please, that God told you something will happen does not mean it will happen today, tomorrow, next year, or even 10 years from now. In some instances, it will. But you just don't know. You just don't know. And so he said to Caleb, he says, as yet, no, go back one, one scripture back. And so after they had roamed around for 40 years in the wilderness and God had taken out all the people he did not want to enter, then he now said, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive. This was Caleb. And as he said, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old, 85. Please stop for a second. Think of all the 85-year-olds that you know and hold the image in your, in your head. He said, and yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Next. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and, shall be, and, I, will be able, and I, shall, I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said, do you think that Caleb sat around feeling sorry for himself those 45 years? Do you think that Caleb sat around complaining about how unfair and unjust God was? Do you think that Caleb would have been saying, Lord, just kill all these people today. Let me come and be getting my inheritance. No. Caleb understood that there was a journey. There was a process. That there were things he needed to learn in the, in, for him to actually be able to get there. I would imagine that Caleb was... Probably, um, what's the word? Um, pressure, push-ups, press-ups every day. It's like, because the Lord said I have to enter Canada. I must be strong. I must be able to fight and take my land. I mean, that's why he'll be able to boast about this proudly. I, I, I remember at the turn of this year, I said, you know, I had, I'd been married for eight years. And I was like, surely, Lord. I had one of those, surely. No, now. You're playing a bad trick on me. You're playing a bad joke on me. Like, how could I have seen this? No, like somehow this year is going that that story has to end i don't know how but it has to end and so at the start of the year i started going to the gym i don't know, I probably thinks it's because he <laughs> 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 probably thinks it's because he was pushing me but i said okay so now i'm walking up the staircase i'm already panting eh okay if i now i'm not in my 20s anymore i'm not as young as i used to be so if this child now comes now i'll now come and be tired when they say um what's it called um parents uh, come and do race i'll be like ah. <laughs> i said man i gotta be strong and so i hit the gym man i hit the gym and of course seeing the the look of joy on my husband's face was enough motivation <laughs> Nothing exciting. him. So for years, I've been saying, ah, how can someone do that? I'll make this work. Nothing exciting. him. He's just cool like that. Ah, if you, you should see how happy he was. I said, ah, good. This is all the motivation I need. 
I was weak because I was like, I when this child comes, I need to be strong to run. If they say PTA, I'm habitually whatever, I need you to do all of that. I bet that's what Caleb did. Caleb was not hanging around, just faffing around, though. Caleb was preparing because in that journey, there's a preparation that is required. So when God is saying to you that you are right now, maybe you're the one that sweeps the church, and God is saying to you that a day will come, you will stand on pulpits and speak to 2,000 people. You just say, okay, Lord, my day is coming. But you do nothing. You don't study the word. You don't stay in his presence. You don't go and learn at the feet of the people who know. You don't learn at the feet of the master. You don't, you're just waiting and then counting time for God. And, and so we, we had Caleb. He had to wait for 45 years. We had Noah had to wait for 120 years. 120 years from when God told him about the destruction of that city and when it actually happened you can imagine how ridiculed Noah would have been mister where's your flood where's your water oh you prophet of doom they would have been saying that to him ridiculing him as he builds that ark what is what exactly are you building what do you say the name is because there was no reference point at that time how, how are people going to live inside? Ha, 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 ha. How foolish you are. Come out and come and enjoy the world with us. And he kept his eyes focused, his gaze focused on the assignment that God has given to him. So there is a clarity of purpose that is required for you to wait. Because in the time like what you're doing is waiting while you're preparing. There is a clarity of purpose that is required. If not, every little wave will make you start to doubt will make you start to doubt and then Moses Moses started off his journey he was born they took him the the, the um, Pharaoh's daughter said um, told his mom take care of him took care of him for 12 years returned him back to the palace a part in scripture says that between that age 12 and age 40 obviously I'm just using numbers because I think in numbers there was a 28 year period in which Moses was groomed as a prince of Egypt if you understand anything about kingship, you need to understand what they had done. Even now, in Egypt, the kingship of Egypt is still something to be studied. He was groomed, he was trained in the ways, their manners, their food, how they held court, how they attended to visitors, protocol, all of those things. It actually said that Moses was a man of, of um, um, how do you describe it? He said that was a man of mighty words. This is the same Moses that when it was time for him to bring the people when God sent him with us I mean said I can't speak do you know why because God requires also a humility and a meekness in spirit for you to come into your place of assignment because some of us if we go in with the attitudes and the pride and the arrogance that we have we will fail and we will not fulfill purpose and so took him on that journey he then went on the 40 years journey you know in 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 the in, in Laban's um, um what's his father-in-law's name again Yes, Jethro, sorry. And then God now called him on the assignment and then finally sent him to bring the liberation to his people. All of that entire process. Then at the 120 years before he left the people at the foot of the Canaan, the land of Canaan. And so, what's the posture for waiting in this time lag? I'm saying that because I'm speaking to myself. I know that there's a time lag. I know that there's a process and a journey that I need to go to to attain some of the things that God has asked me to do. And so in that place, what is my posture? What is my position? I must trust in his plans. I must trust in his plans. His plans, I always tell people that God's careless plan for me can never be as good as my most masterfully orchestrated plan. I say it's because God is able to do 
far more abundantly than we can ever think or imagine. Far more. Where, where our thoughts end is where God starts. In that place of waiting, you must write the vision so it's never out of your sight. Because the things that are competing for attention are too many. The life, life, children, um, family responsibilities. And so it's very easy. Yes, there are things people have said to me. And I, I'll say, Did, I said that. Oh, they're like, oh, I have a vague memory of saying a thing like that. Things that I had forgotten. Maybe at the time I was now operating in it, they would remember on my behalf. Like I always say, my sister has a very long memory. Don't tell her anything. 20 years from now, she'll remind you you said that. You know, so you must write the vision and write it on the tablet and make it plain for all to see so that a herald may run with it. So what has God asked you to do? What are all those dreams, those desires, those aspirations? That prophetic word he's given you about your purpose and the journey for your life. And please, this, it has to be bigger than the bless me. The bless me is an output of you working in assignments. It has to be bigger than the, the, that. And so the, you have to, you don't try to fix it in your own way. When um, um, dear Abraham then goes to fix it in his own way, because he was like, I have to help God on this journey. He has told me this and I'm going to have my child. And he goes to go and, you know, and then he gives birth to Ishmael. We're still dealing with the consequences today. And so we can't try to fix it in our own self as I was doing. I can never figure it out on my own. There, there's, a, there's an idea that God gave me 13 years ago and I just chunked it in a corner. I wrote out a draft of it and I dumped it in a corner. And then this year, when I was working through that journey, when I was working through that process with God and it was trying to teach me about waiting and all of the, the process of arriving at the place of prophetic fulfillment, he, remind, he said to me, to go forward, you need to go back. I, you know, they always say, oh, um, what, what, what's that funny thing we say? Um, the past is the past. Let's just look to the future. And I said, no. I said to someone, not always. Sometimes you need to go back to the past for you to go to the future. And then God reminded me of this idea. And again, I started looking at it and I was like, how am I supposed to figure this out? And just like that, God sent somebody. God sent a second part of this idea he had given me to somebody else. A random conversation with somebody said, go and have a conversation with Uchi. And when he sat down and he told me about it, literally, you don't understand, I was like literally almost on the chair because I said, yes, this is it. This is the missing part of what I've been waiting for. It's taken 13 years to land there. And I know for sure eh, that that idea came from God because in my own strength, I'm not that smart. I promise you. Even when you hear it, you know that it didn't come from her. <laughs> no, trust me. Because that's how God works. <laughs> that's how God works. And so I'm excited in my spirit because through this, God is teaching me what I do in the period when I'm waiting on him. I had to wait nine years to have my son. But now, I couldn't have asked for a better child. I couldn't. Because that's how God operates. That's how God operates. And he never gives you more than you can bear. That's the beauty of him. He can never. So if you've been trusting God for a spouse, you've been trusting God for that financial breakthrough. How can I bring my family out of poverty? How can I, how can I, all of the things that we hope and desire for. I want you to, today I bring you a message of hope. That God will never fail you. As long as he told you that and he gave you that instruction, he will bring it to pass. And so the key also is you grow in character. When Moses was going through that journey, that wilderness experience, Moses from this proud, cocky Egyptian prince that saw two people fighting and just anger, just killed one of them. Moses now became this meek, 
meek and gentle man so that God could work through him. God had prepared him in his upbringing. Then God took him into a second place of preparation, the place of the wilderness, where he was having to learn how to serve, how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to speak gently, how to say I love you, how not to get angry at the slightest provocation. Because Egypt was a very annoying place. It took 10 plagues. 10. 10. All their children, their firstborns, had to die. I can never forget Pastor Moses' joke when he said that somebody a woman will have woken up and said, ah, eh, no, a man may have woken up and said, ah, my own first son did not die. <laughs> and then realized that in another house, <laughs> in another house, a second, a second child died. <laughs> you get the joke? Uh, this, this side, they got the joke. I, I think people on this side are very young. <laughs> Even if she shared the joke with them, I was like, <laughs> I can never forget. Ten plagues for them to get there. So imagine that Mo- Moses had just come into the Egyptian shout, shouting, Now, Lord, let my people go. Now they're going today. I start fighting. Next thing, fist fight to break out. They ask him, Come on. And even that same anger is what cost him Canaan land. Although God, in his mercy, took him away, but he didn't see that promised land. Do we want to be those people that because of our character flaws, we get to the point where we miss out on the full glory of what God has prepared for us? And so my final words, because I'm sure my time is fast spent. You know, I, I got this somewhere. I don't remember where, so I couldn't reference it, but I got it somewhere. He says, the science, of, the science of physics tells us that time is a property resulting from the existence of matter. And as such, time exists where matter exists. But God is not matter because God, in fact created matter so can god cannot be bound by something that he created it makes no sense he says the bottom line is this time began when god created the universe before that god was just simply existing scripture says that word the spirit of the lord was upon the waters and he over over the deep it was just he's always been there he said since there was no matter and because god and because god does not change time had no existence and therefore no meaning no relation to God. And so my final words is, you see all those things that God has asked you to do, all those prophetic words, all those your heart's desires, that God is saying that the time that you're boxing him into is not his own time. In his time, he will make all things beautiful. In his time. So do you want half measures? Do you want ugly things or do you want beautiful things? Are you willing to go through the process? Are you willing to go through the journey of reformation, of character building, of change, of, of, of just understanding God, being with him, dwelling with him? I remember, I used to, you know, in, in the workplace, I was very quiet, still am. But don't make mistake and send me a stupid email. You will get a reply that... If you get a reply that you will be too embarrassed to show, show, show somebody else because I will show you up. Like, I don't, don't, I don't pick fights, but don't pick a fight with me. And the Lord rebuked me one day and said, shush, it's not everything that your mouth should talk. Sometimes, take a deep breath and calm down. Perhaps the person misunderstood your intentions. Perhaps this is an opportunity for you to minister perhaps it's an opportunity for you to show leadership and kindness and so i will look at the email and i'll close it and maybe i reply to you the next day and when i read the reply that i've now sent you from what i had in my mind i'll be like wow you've really grown (laughs) 
That's what waiting on God does. It teaches you to discipline your rule, unruly and wild spirit that God can truly use you to do his work. Because the purpose that God has for your life is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It is bigger than you. And the second you keep remember that and you know that, then you think about your purpose a bit differently. And so, Father Lord, I thank you for these words today. I thank you for these words that you have spoken. I ask, oh God, that every heart here is receptive of it. Lord, I ask that even as we continue to unpack this after here today, that you bring new levels of understanding and revelation of this word to your people. Lord, I ask that nobody under the sound of my voice would miss their purpose. Lord, I ask that you teach us patience in the place of waiting for waiting on you. Lord, I ask that you give us a clarity of purpose that keeps us running the race, oh God, even when all the odds seem against us. Lord, I ask, oh God, that we, we would dwell in you, we would dwell with you, oh God, and that we will be at the end of time, you look on us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 